I'm Peter Hernandez, and I've been in the real estate industry for 50 years as an agent, president, and founder of a brokerage. You're listening to The Core Truth, a collection of my experience, knowledge, and advice for real estate agents and executives to take their career to the next level. My name is Peter Hernandez, and this is The Core Truth. Today, I have Christy Carrillo, uh, our Douglas LM and Newport Beach manager with us today. And buckle in because <laughs> this is an exciting and interesting and very, very inspiring conversation. Christy, awesome. welcome, welcome, welcome to the Thank uh, you, Pete. Thank you. This is so great. So, this is going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. So, tell us a little bit about your story. Let's go right into it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's go just right into it. it. Yeah. Um, my story is very unique. It's, um, you know, I was, I was raised in a very unique way. I, I, um, I'm not very shy about sharing it anymore. So basically I was raised by a mother that was a professional scam artist on a very large level. And I was, um, it was much like a cult environment, a lot of extreme religious beliefs, uh, that were manipulative. And uh, I grew up with 10 different last names and lived in probably 20 different cities or more by the time I was 15 and um, was sexually exploited in her business along with my sisters and um, was withheld from schooling and all kinds of stuff. So it was a very, very, um, it was different, I guess you could say. And I emancipated yeah. at, at 15 and I was married at 16 and, you know, um, I've done a lot of growth and healing from it, but um, I got married at, at 16 and I had my son at 20 and I got into real estate at 19. So I did everything very fast in life, wow. very early. How, how, how does someone that young process what you went through and, and what, what, what was going on inside your head during all that time? Did it seem normal? Did it seem unusual? What did it seem no. like? No, no, did not feel normal. In fact, I always, um, I always felt like I had an angel on my shoulder, to be honest. Um, I, I always felt like I didn't belong. I, I remember being as young as probably 11 or nine, um, thinking this is not my life. This is not normal. And this is all temporary. I remember, remember this is temporary. Like, don't, don't give in, like, don't, don't break. It's temporary. This is all temporary. I remember thinking that at a very young age, but no, it wasn't normal. And I think, um, I think there's no real way of understanding how I coped with it, but I do, I do know that some people I do believe are, are built with a certain mindset for some reason, because I've learned to strengthen my mindset. But even at a very young age, I remember thinking that this wasn't everybody in the world, not everybody's evil. This is not, you know, that, that it wasn't some nightmare that was like, poor me. You know what I mean? It was, it, it was never poor me. And how, how could this happen? It was more along the lines of, um, I'll get out of this. It's fine. You know, you're strong. You can get through anything, that kind of stuff. And I don't think that you can well, always teach that. Let me, let me ask you a question because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to relate it to my own life. And I had kind of a double life because um, my mom and, and my stepdad were very, very heavy alcoholics. Yeah. And I felt like I had two lives. And mm. if I brought friends over to my house. I never knew what was going to happen. And ultimately, I would end up going back to their house to spend the night. Did right. you feel like you were living a double life, like a life at, with friends who was school and then come home, home to something else? Was that a similar experience? I mean, obviously well, much different. Yeah, well, I don't feel like I really had like 
had that kind of experience because we were pretty pretty withheld from even socializing much with people our own age i want to say it was but it but it was um i remember thinking that it wasn't normal that i was always around adults and that i didn't i didn't i never felt like i had a childhood that i i I was kind of everything was so fast-tracked and i remember knowing that that wasn't normal but i remember thinking nothing was ever predictable um so it was you know could go from extremes it could be one maybe she ripped somebody off that was wealthy and well-known and we were living like kings for maybe the next six months. And then there was maybe a streak where she had nobody to rip off and we were homeless and sleeping in a van or sleeping literally on the streets. So it was always, nothing was ever predictable. It was always uncertain. And where was this? Where were you? Where were you living? Lived all over, all over Southern California, Native American reservation, Manzanita on and off too. Um, But I was born in Dallas, but it was, all over. It was a little all over. I mean, wow. a lot of cities, a lot of cities. She never stayed put in one place because actually I'll share this. I think I was probably 14, 13. I remember sitting across my mom from my mom, which was at her computer and she would never look up whenever you were in the room. It was almost like you didn't exist. So I remember sitting there and thinking, okay, I'm going to sit here until she acknowledges me and she wouldn't. And so finally I said, you know, you're so smart, you know, cause she was extremely intelligent, almost, almost to the point of being crazy. I remember I said, you're so smart. Like, why can't you use what you, what you what you know and what you do for good? Why is it that we're always doing something bad and having to run? Like, can't we just stay put and can't you put something yeah. that actually into, into good work? And because she was a super smart, intelligent woman. And I remember she said, um, once you start, you can't stop. Like, there's no stopping because somebody's always trying to look for her. So even if she wanted to stop, there was no ability to stop because she would be found. It was almost like a high for her, wasn't it? It was almost like an adrenaline rush. She was good at what she did. And I think I think she got out of control with it. I think in her core, she wanted to stop. Yeah. But I think um, she she truly believed that she couldn't. And she went into hiding. And, I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's pretty but. typical criminal behavior, really. And, and, it, and it's, it's, not, it's not that different from other criminals. And I think they get mm-hmm. on the run and they just keep running. And as long as they keep running, then they're staying ahead of it as long as they can. And you're getting catch me if walk. you can if you guys ever saw that movie let me tell you i mean it's it's yeah. a, it's wow it's extreme. yeah wow mm-hmm. um so i know we get a little more into that but let's just kind yeah. of kind of weave through to where you are today so so yeah. now you're now you're 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 you said you got emancipated how did you get emancipated what does that mean emancipation is when you divorce your family so mm-hmm. legally when you emancipate um a lot of the times i mean the whole way i even found out about emancipation was through um through a detective, Detective Dave Bonetta in Huntington Beach. My sister and I were involved in a very publicized rape case, serial rape case. And um, this detective came into our home and immediately realized that it wasn't normal and that it wasn't okay. And instead of turning us into CPS, um, Child Child Protective Services, he he gave me his card and he asked me to call him. So I remember riding my bike down to a payphone and and I called this guy and you know, You're too young for like, pay phones. There's no way there was a pay phone. <laughs> pay phone. I had pagers too. Yeah, um, I used to hide them from my mom. But anyways, yeah. uh, this this detective made me feel very safe to share what was happening, and he was almost in disbelief. And he said, "Well, why don't you?" why don't you, he goes, you're very mature and you've got a good head on your shoulders. He goes, I think it would be very disruptive for me to get CPS involved. Why don't you divorce your mom? And he walked me through it. He said, go down to the courthouse, ask for emancipation papers, ask the clerk for help. And I did. And it was, um, it's not an easy process, you know, but I have to say my, my, my mom stopped showing up for court. I could say that because she would have been arrested. Um, Mm -hmm. but I remember, um, 
the judge had said you were 15 going on 35 and it was um yeah wow. it's not easy but when you emancipate by by law the state then recognizes you as being 18 and legally on your own and and everything and of course there were terms and everything to it you know that i had to conditions that i had to do but um it, it's it's a process wow wow yeah. to be yeah. a legal adult at, at at 15. yeah yeah i was living uh i was living in a studio in long beach and i was taking the metro into downtown la where i got a job i got a corporate job at 15. that's a process that's this whole story on its own too because a lady laughed at me in my interview she goes what are you 12 aren't you supposed to be in school and um yeah interesting Did you, do you think that you kind of missed your childhood you know okay so I never feel that way. I never feel like I missed out. I do and I don't. I feel like it, and when I was younger, I felt resentful that I felt like it was robbed from me. And as I've gotten older, I don't really feel like I was robbed of anything. If anything, I, I believe it's what makes me amazing today. So now yeah. I have a whole different vision of like my, my perspective yeah. on it is different. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean especially now, seeing what I see, I don't, I don't want to go through that stuff. Well, 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 the beauty of it is that all those life experiences now you can carry forward and help people with. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know what I mean? That's and I don't think anything happens by accident, Christy. And yeah. I think one of the reasons you're so great at your job and yeah. great at being with people and connecting with people is because mm -hmm. you have so much life experience that you've learned mm -hmm. from and you've come out on a very, very positive, good size. I mean, you could have you could have turned out any which way. You could have for sure. You could have mimicked your mother. Mm -hmm. You could have, you could have become downtrodden and, and, and unhappy. You could have, I mean, there's so many ways people go yeah. when they experience yeah. trauma in their life. But yeah. so before we go to that, I, I kind of led into my next thing, but I'm, before we go there, I want to just cover one more thing. Cause I'm sure people are saying you got married at 16. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you still married to that man today? Or, or a woman, I shouldn't say. I, shouldn't, <laughs> I can't make these. Yeah. No, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was married almost 18 years. Um, so, no, I'm not married anymore. But but he is a great dad. We have amazing children together. Um, great person. Wasn't the greatest husband. Um, but I can say at least at least he's an amazing father. But I divorced about five years ago. Okay. Um, and, yeah, but we have and a you great have how many children? How many children do you have? Hey, my two son children. Is, is 18 and my daughter's 14. You have a yeah. 14 year old and an 18 year old. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and tell us about them. What do they, are? What, they've had a different so life amazing. for sure. Haven't they? Oh, their relationship with me is great. They, they, they laugh because obviously their, their friends love me and they know everything about me. I have a very open relationship with them, mm. um, but they're great. My son is 18, really extremely intelligent and very social, almost like a politician. Everybody loves him. You'll shake your mm. hand, look at you in the eye. Very charismatic. Oh, wow. And he's definitely my protector. My he's he's amazing. My daughter's a little more on the spicy side, like me. She's a little okay. more spicy. Okay. <laughs> and um, and he's wise and old soul, and she's got an old soul too. But she's very. Um, I don't worry about her in life. Let me tell you, she's she's she grabs everything and controls whatever she wants. So um, she's amazing. They're both All great right. in school. They're very respectful and social and happy. Yeah, they definitely right. admire me. I'll tell you that they they're very. They're very proud. Okay, great. So mm -hmm. you're writing a book about all this, and it's called The uh, Serendipity of Trauma. Serendipity of Trauma, yes. Simon Schuster's publishing it, yeah. That's great. So yeah. what is that? I mean, that's a great title. So what does that mean? 
Oh man, it's really, because even at a young age, I think I said it, it's really learning that everything, even the most traumatic, horrible experiences is for your better good. Everything is for, is, is, is actually really good. So everything I've looked back on life and really the, the book is about my life story. I've been able to take every single horrible experience and point out the positive part, the greatness that came from it. And I think that we forget that everything is, everything is for your, your, to better yourself. And the serendipity is just saying, focus on the good things that come from bad experiences. And I think when you do that, you don't go through this downward spiral. You don't turn to drugs. You don't turn to, to being a bitter person. And um, it's learning to take everything you've gone through and just be more powerful from it and realize that it's all amazing. It's all amazing. Even the worst things ever. Well, I have a hunch this book is going to share things that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface in oh, and some sure. of the experiences you've had and some of the despicable things you have seen in your life. And yeah. I'm sure as a young 10 year old, 12 year old, 13 year old, 15 year old, whatever, you know, yeah. most kids may or may not recover from something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. but the, but the book, the serendipity of trauma mm -hmm. is, is really about helping people instead of run from their story, become their story. And I think you yeah. ran from your story for a while, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And I'm very honest about that. I mean, there's a huge part of my life where I um, I made up a story. Actually, it's so funny because once you lie so much about something, it becomes part of who you are and you believe it, right? And I did get to a point where I made this story, especially because I, once I got into real estate, um, I wanted to be relatable. And I didn't think that having a story like this was relatable and I made up a story about where I graduated from high school and, you know, what I, who I was, everything was a lie. Everything was a lie. So yes. And it was out of being ashamed and embarrassed and, and not wanting to also explain myself to people, you know, because mm -hmm. there's, there's no way of really just sharing that easily and then not going into explaining it. And I never liked to explain myself to people. And I always felt like I'm good. I'm good. You know, I don't right. need to. I don't right. need to go into all that stuff. And I really, a part of me feels like, well, I don't identify with it anyways. It doesn't define who I am, which it does define who I am. Yeah. Um, you know, so I definitely, I, I lied about it for many years, many years. Yeah. And, 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 and one thing that, you know, social media has taught us that if there's one good thing and I'm yeah. sure there's many, there's but many, we all know, but we also know there's a lot of net bad things about social media, but if there's one yeah. thing good about social media, it has really taught us to be okay with ourselves and to be authentic. Yeah. And I, I, yes, yes. And I think the, the thing is to remember is that pain is relative. Everybody has gone through trauma. Yeah. And so when you learn to accept it and share it, and I don't share it in a, actually a lot of the reasons too, that I never shared it, Peter was I'm somebody that one, I hate to complain Two, I don't like people to feel sorry for me. And mm -hmm. majority of the time when you share a story or something that like what I had gone through, the immediate response is, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that's the last thing I want from anybody. Mm -hmm. But I think that when you learn to share it in a way that's positive and uplifting, that can inspire somebody else and make them realize, hey, like you're not alone. We all go through these things. And really it doesn't hold you back in life unless mm -hmm. you allow it to. And I think that's where I learned that there was no more power in hiding it. It all the power was in owning it and yeah. and not hiding from it. You know, there's there's a saying in in AA that I love so much, and it's like, quit trying to you know, don't save your face, save your ass. And so <laughs> many people are trying to save their face, yeah, and look and look good, mm -hmm. that they're just going deeper and deeper into 
you know, yeah, less of what they could become or or who they are, and and yeah. nothing. And and I love that saying also that nothing happens in this world by mistake. I believe in that a hundred percent, hundred percent. And mm -hmm. so it's really for whatever reason, all these experiences and 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 difficulties that you had and you yeah, know, have shaped you into who you are. So so how how do you turn your story into your superpower? Because I think someone actually said that to you at one point. Oh my God. Once I never... heard your story. Yeah. You know, um, Mike Brody actually told me this. He, he's a, an amazing leader in Keller Williams and he is extremely accomplished. Right. And long story short, this, this man had uh, seen a lot of, a lot of abilities in me. And, and um, for some reason, um, our connection was amazing. And he learned my story. I opened up to him very, I opened up to him and I shared some things that I hadn't shared with anybody much in my real estate career. And he was blown away and I was vulnerable and, and actually really scared of being like judged. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember he told me, he said, this is actually what makes you even more amazing and you shouldn't ever hold this back. And this is something you should lead with. And he said, and it's, it's your superpower, Christy. He goes, this is, he goes, you're amazing without it. He goes, and then you put this on it. He goes, and it's just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. He goes, so don't do me a favor. Don't lie about this. And, and I made that promise from that day on. And I have so many cool stories about owning it from that point on. That was just mind blowing to me. And from that point on, I I've owned it. And I, did you, did you, it. did you kind of leak it out slowly or was it like, once you did it, it was like, I'm going for it. Well, you know, the interesting thing is sometimes you meet people in life and they make you feel very safe. And that's a really cool thing. And I haven't met too many people in life that have made me feel safe. And sometimes it's just who somebody is. And so, yeah, I, I shared a lot. I shared a lot with him. And I think, um, well, well, Christy, I'm, go back to that. So, so yeah, that's a good point that you just yeah. made. So, you know, feeling safe is important yeah. to you because mm -hmm. of where you've been. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Two things are, a few things are important to me is um, stability and safe stability. Cause I never had stability in my life. I think that's why I work so hard. I'm a workaholic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I I'm obsessed with everything I do because that stability and, and, and able to have that consistency in my life is something I never mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to leave that into control of somebody else. Right. And then feeling safe. I was never safe and protected by anybody. Never, so, ever. so yeah. yeah. So I've always depended on myself for that. And then to have somebody occasionally in life show up that makes you feel that way is, 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 it's so disarming, you know? So how'd you, how'd you get into real estate? I got into real estate. I mean, it's really fascinating. Um, I'll leave a couple parts out, but basically from 15 years old to 19, I was in a company that was custom, uh, custom cabinetry construction work basically. And so I learned a lot about construction and I was, um, doing sales with that company. It was, um, closet factory. So I was basically doing design work out in the field. And then I was also running the operations inside. And so I learned about the construction of a building and, um, and I made, I came in contact with, with a, a pretty well-known person that told me, you know, you should get into real estate. And I said, Oh no, I'm fine. I'm doing great. You know, I'm almost 19. I'm close to making six figures. Like I'm killing it, you know, especially for me, I'm like thinking no education, didn't graduate high school, didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And so I was stoked with the path that I was on. And this company had taken me in at 15 years old and I had built my way up. Wow. And so I was loyal to them, but this person kept telling me, you got to do real estate. You should be in real estate. And at that time, of course, I told my husband that and he goes, 
you got to do it. And I didn't get into the traditional side. I got into the rehabbing side of the business mm -hmm. and I learned about private money, which I already knew about because my mother was really big on, on private investors. And so helping her with her business, she did it the shady way, mm -hmm. but, um, being exposed to that side of the business with her was, um, my lights went out. Yeah. I see was, that. <laughs> helped me, helped me, um, understand that side. So that part learning was really quick. So I learned about private money and rehabbing houses and how to do it with, um, with no credit and all that stuff. So I, I learned the creative side and mm -hmm. I did that for 10 years, almost 10 years, eight or 10 years. And, um, immediately got on a TV show for rehabbing houses. Wow. And again, that was because my age was so young. They were like, who's this person rehabbing houses? You look like you're 15. And I was like, no, I'm not 15. And, mm -hmm. um, the TV show allowed me to have much success too, because once you're able to document that you are doing it right, the money just flew, the, right. the money flowed into me. And then my rehabs were costing only half the amount because I was getting free products. Mm -hmm. And so I started rehabbing houses in LA and then in Dallas. And, um, and that was, that was really cool. That's how I got into the business. And then, so why did you move into the, like, like the sales side? Like, um, what, what, um, what? I had two kids. So, but I was doing rehabbing with Daniel cause I had Daniel right when I turned 20 and I started at 19. So by the time I was doing projects all over the place, one, it put a large strain on my marriage. It is not easy to work with your spouse and run a business as the main person. Mm -hmm. He was a longshoreman, but he definitely tried to jump into the business with me once I started doing well. And it, it was not good for our marriage, but, mm -hmm. um, but the real reason is I, I basically, I had my daughter and, and then it started to really tear my family apart. My, I remember my, my ex did say, he said, it's either the business or me. And I regret it. I shouldn't have stopped doing what I was doing, but, um, Got it. but it made sense to go into the traditional side then. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I could, I could have more control over my schedule and not be all over these job sites and, and yeah. be a mom and everything I needed to do. Great. And, then, and so you yeah. became a pretty good salesperson. You, you did yeah. well. Yeah. 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 I loved it. I loved it. South Bay. Yeah. Um, House Verdes is not an easy market to get into. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but you know, I I led with everything I do best, which is connections with people, and right. um, and I did sales really good, and then eventually Keller Williams uh, saw the leadership in me, and that's how I got sucked into the the leadership side of the business, which I love, I absolutely yeah. love. Yeah, no, you're very good at it. So um, it was about I don't know a little bit over a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, I needed a manager for Newport Beach mm -hmm. and you know I was inquiring around and I found somebody that I wanted but unfortunately he couldn't couldn't do yeah. it because he had just started a startup company yeah yeah and and he gave me two names and I wasn't super excited about those names but I called them and I was mm -hmm. you know going to interview with them and then like he called me right back and he goes wait a minute I made a mistake there's somebody you need to call that is yeah. perfect mm -hmm. and her name is Christy Carrillo uh, she's managing for Sotheby's down in uh, La Jolla. Yeah, yeah. She lives. She lives in Orange County near Newport Beach, and she would be absolutely perfect for you. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so I met Christy and St Stephen Kotler, CEO, meets Christy, and you know, and and we introduce her to Brad, who would be her like buddy down in uh, the Orange County market. No, you guys were all men. I did the Superman stance before I met you. I was like, oh, I gotta meet with all men. Let me stretch. And Get my testosterone. God, I wish I wish <laughs> So, so um, you know, we were all very, very impressed. And and so 
we decided to to run with it, and we and we named nice. uh, you know Christy the the executive sales manager for Newport Beach, Douglas Sullivan. In very in, grateful. And and so now, um, Christy, I mean, you're lighting that market on fire. You just hired one of the just top agents <laughs> in the entire county to the office. You know, yeah, John Scanlon, yeah. who you know yeah. is so well respected and somebody yeah, that does yeah. like at least 400 million a year. I mean, you've changed yeah. the, the office. I mean, we are seriously on the map down there and yeah. we're having all kinds of inquiries and people, you know, looking to join us now. And it's just yeah. so exciting. Um, it really and we're just I getting mean, started. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your philosophy for running a office and, and creating culture and, yeah. and getting great people. I, I believe this. I believe your reputation is everything. So I, I pride myself in my reputation. If you ask anybody in the South Bay about me, down in La Jolla about me, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty solid. At least I like to believe so. Um, and I do believe that culture is the beginning of everything. And culture is viewed differently by different people. If you take 10 people and you ask them all, what does culture mean to you? Give me three words. It's all different. Um, and I think, I think in the, my my leadership style actually has evolved over the years because in the beginning, you know, we all learn. In the beginning, I thought culture was like partying, having fun, and socializing with your agents, right? Mm -hmm. And and I've learned that yes, people want to feel involved and loved on, but I believe the number one thing in culture is making sure that nobody's left behind and we're all succeeding. So culture to me is is the core of the office, and that means enjoying where you are, um, that it's all, it's collaborative, that people are all successful because if you're not, if you're not making money and you're not succeeding, it's really hard to be happy, authentically happy. And so, um, my method is, is everything is relationship based. Um, I go out there, I make strong relationships. And if it's not the best thing for somebody to come here and I don't think I can help them, I don't twist their arm. Um, but I do pride myself in, in running a really good, environment and also strong relationships i mean i i think there was one agent his name was jim becker um it took me five years to recruit him five years so wow. i don't give up i don't give up I'm, I'm very resilient and persistent and i think that it's really hard to win against somebody that doesn't give up so right. i always say we're just getting started i right. don't there's no quitting until it's done and it's really never done if you That's think right. about it it's That's never right. done never um, done but I think when you show people that you care and that you're there for their best interest, I think that's that's where people start gravitating towards you. Mm -hmm. So it's not about chasing. It's about attracting the right people into your office. 100%. Yeah. And you're doing that. And everybody's like, everyone's heads are turning. And what's going on at Douglas Elliman? Well, and why? They don't why? know how to handle me. That's right. They don't. They don't. I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little wacky, not in a bad way. I don't think so. But I mean, what you see is what you get with me. And yeah. I'm, I'm vulnerable, which people aren't used to either. Yeah. Um, and I'm authentic in a way where every now and then the, the fuck word comes out accidentally. And I, but I care with my heart on my sleeve. And but you're no BS too. I mean, you really, you run a tight ship. Straight shooter. You straight run a shooter. tight shoot, straight shooter. You're not going to mm -hmm. tolerate you know, a kindergarten, it's an adult environment. It's very, yes. very positive environment, but a yes. professional environment is how yes. I would describe it. Professional, for sure. I do believe this, though. Professional, it, 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 I've always said, it, which is interesting because it's hard to balance, Peter, and I go to you for a lot of advice on this because, first of all, there's in, in a lot of workplaces, drama can happen. We all try to avoid drama. However, I, I believe two things. 
one, I believe your work environment becomes your home environment. And it's also almost impossible to say, leave your, your home life at home and show up here with only business because mm -hmm. our personal life does affect our business. The way we show up, the way we're feeling and the way we feel, you know, dictates how we operate. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer in a lot of the coaching I do is actually most agents actually know what to do. They don't need Nobody's really like, oh, what do you do in real estate to be successful? You don't have to recreate the wheel. We all know what to do. But the mm -hmm. truth is most agents are held back because of their subconscious beliefs or things that they're going through or have gone through that stops them from taking action. So as much as it's a no BS and it's an adult environment, I do believe that like, hey, we're also here for each other and it's okay to be vulnerable or to share what you're struggling with that's stopping you from taking certain actions mm -hmm. and to be honest about it, honest to yourself and, and with somebody that could possibly help you. You know, uh, people ask me all the time what it takes to be a great manager. And I said, I mean, there's lots of good managers. There's very yeah. few great managers. And good yeah. managers typically, you know, are always there for their agents. They're responsive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They solve problems. They fix yeah. deals. They, yeah. you know, they receive calls from their agents all times yeah. of the day. But the difference between good and great is great managers mm -hmm. are builders mm -hmm. and they create profit. Mm -hmm. And that's, sure. that's the big difference between a good and a great manager. Great managers yeah. understand they're being paid to build an office and make it profitable. For sure. For sure. Right. Right. For sure. Not, not just to be, you know, daycare center. No, no. So, so one, there's two things that that requires, in my opinion, mm -hmm. one is mm -hmm. to recruit great agents into yeah. an office. And the yeah. other thing is to take your agents and make them better. Yes. Those yes. are the two ways to growth and to yeah. profitability. Yeah. So knowing that, what yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get to some of your recruiting, but before I go there, I want to talk about your coaching philosophy because you're becoming yeah. known as a great coach, and you Thanks. can coach an agent from the John Scanlon level to yeah. a brand new agent, yeah. and and you are someone that is there for them and can help them. So let's talk right. a little bit about your coaching philosophy. And yeah. does it weave into the serendipity of trauma? And does it yeah. weave in at all to owning your story? And how do you yes. how do you put that all together? I am so big on this. I truly believe that everybody's superpower is their story. And I believe that there is success when you don't run from it and you and you build around it. And the best thing, I mean, I, I just met with two agents yesterday. We dug into this and both agents are like mind blown. And they're like, I've never even thought about this. And if you take your, 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 first of all, a lot of people haven't even got to the point where they're comfortable with sharing their story. And that's okay too. I always say that, um, first of all, I'm not somebody who sits here with a therapy session poking saying, what have you gotten there? Oh, you know, what's hurt, what's hurt you. Right. I don't do that. I don't do that. No, we're not even but, trained at it. <laughs> no, no, but, but I do start with like, Hey, I want to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And usually these things are developed as a character trait based on how we're brought up in life. And the things that we've gone through and if you take your closest your closest friends or family or anybody that knows you um better than others right i want you to go to them and ask them what are the top five things that make you unique and that draw them to you what give me five character traits that they love about you that 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 they would list and ask three to five people that and and then also ask them your weak suits. What are things that you can work on that you maybe um, aren't good at? You know, and I'll give an example. Maybe one is that you're a procrastinator. Maybe the other side is like they feel like you're extremely optimistic and you're and you're compassionate. Um, so when you go to people that know you the best and you ask these questions, 
it actually recenters you and it makes you remember who you are and, and how unique you are. And then these traits actually trigger in your mind, like, oh, wow, you know, why have I developed these traits? Why am I magnetic? Why am I so compassionate? Why am I X, Y, and Z? And these are traits that make you uh, who you are that, that draw people to you. And when you focus in on them and you become intentional with remembering who you are and these traits, and then you're intentional with the way you're perceived because social media is powerful, right? But a lot of us, we're all guilty with just using it versus being intentional with it. And it's like, you have the control to, to allow people to perceive you a certain way. And if you hone in on these authentic traits that the closest people to you say that are amazing and you build your brand and who you are and the way you show up around that, it's going to, it's going to just draw more people to you when you're intentional with it. So I think your story definitely ties into it. And the funny thing is whenever they start talking about these things, um, they automatically go into their own stories. So it's a fun process in this coaching method to say like, Hey, let's go, let's show up in a way that's authentic, that feels natural. That is the best way. And it's going to be magnetic because it is you. And we draw away from it throughout the years and we forget to, to shine in that way All right. until it's brought to service. So, so just give us one example. And then I want to get into your recruiting philosophy. Give us an example of how you take that and maybe apply it to a real estate activity or something that maybe they were doing one way, but if they do it away with their story in mind, it, 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 it yeah. shifts. Does that give you any ideas? I mean, am I saying that right? I, I cause you and I've talked about this before, how, I can't remember the exact yeah. specific instance, but I do yeah, remember yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you combining that. So yeah, yeah. No, so I have an agent that um, that I had I had an agent that I had coached, and um, he had had an experience with with which I won't go into extreme details because it's his story. But he had an experience with the ocean, and he's very passionate. Even with the way he shows up with his friends, his activities outside of work, he's very passionate about keeping the ocean clean and preserving the ocean and, and, and the marine life. And this is a part of who he is, right? Mm -hmm. And his real estate business was not tied into it. What he ended up doing was tying his business into his passion, into his purpose in life, and putting that message out there. And it's really powerful because what happens is now he's authentically attracting people that have the same passion and drive. And he's using his business to be able to give back to charities, that, that help his whole purpose in life. And he's got more business than what he could have ever have had and, and what he was doing previously, whenever he was not showing up that way. Wow. And I'll give one more. And this is an example. This is not an agent that I helped, but this is uh, an example of, of somebody doing it. There was uh, an agent and his newsletter never really changed ever. Like his newsletter, they dropped every single month in his farm, never changed. And this person was... Uh, I don't want to say certain things that aren't great, but I, I didn't think you'd be successful. And sometimes we all judge people. We think, though, we know, you know, and mm -hmm. I've been wrong many times. But this person's newsletter never changed. And it was a story about his pit bull and how pit bulls are discriminated against. And it was a story about his pit bull and I had a picture of him and his pit bull. And the only little part on the back that changed was a tiny little section about the market update. <laughs> Yeah. which which nothing else changed and he dropped this time and time again and this person was doing 40 50 60 units a year and i said well you know why would you do that i go well what if somebody reads i go what if somebody doesn't like pit bulls and he goes i wouldn't want to work with them he goes i wouldn't want to work with them and he goes and the cool thing is every time i show up first thing they ask me is how sophie you know 
And he goes, so these people are passionate about dogs and we bond over that. And he goes, and it's, it's a relationship that's already made whenever I walk through the door because we, we have the same passion. Right. And I think that when we learn to drive our business a certain way that feels authentic, that wow. it's good for a good, for a good cause, yeah. it attracts the business versus us constantly chasing it. Yeah. So um, when you're recruiting agents mm -hmm. or identifying agents you want to bring into your office, yeah, what's your filter? Oh, my filter for somebody I don't want, you mean? Well, yeah, you could say who you don't want, and, and you could also say who you do want, maybe the characteristics of both. Okay. Um, the ones that I do want are people. I, I'm, I'm a very big person on intuition. I think it's a life thing that I've had to develop over my upbringing. That it's, it's kind of like a survival trait. Right. You've learned to read people because it's 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 the way you were brought up in. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to say majority of my 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 hires are instincts, their their right. vibration, their energy level, um, their eye contact, how they show up. Mm -hmm. Are they um, do they feel guarded? Mm -hmm. um, those are usually things that make me um, shy away from from working with somebody mm -hmm. versus I meet some people that are so um, lively energetic they have a you can almost feel like they're zest for life mm -hmm. um i like either the zest for life or the extreme calmness those mm -hmm. are usually the ones i'm drawn to and that are um and that are somewhat even if it's just a hint of being vulnerable in the meeting i really look for that i ask questions that aren't on the surface usually mm -hmm. um and how they react tells me a lot because i want people that collaborate and that realize that this is this is a lonely business but it nobody succeeds alone like anybody oh. that tells me they're a self-made millionaire, I'm like, you are never a self-made anything. No, it's and true. So for me, I want people in my office that collaborate, that don't hold their cards too close, that are um, positive people, optimistic people, because that's very contagious, just like negativity is. Mm -hmm. um, and people that are genuine and that are just as real as they can be. And sometimes it's hard to find. I think I've turned down about four, four people in the past month. Um, you know, and it's nobody's fault, but I think some people just haven't evolved to a certain level yet. And I'm very protective of the environment we have. And I, I'm okay with uncomfortable conversations. And I think, um, I think if you protect your environment and you make sure that it's, that it's what it needs to be, everybody thrives and everybody wins. And it should be something that's very selective to get into. I think I've worked at companies where anybody can come in. If you had a pulse, you were signing on the paper you know yeah. and that is not the way to go it is no. not the way to go and i'm really grateful to be part of a company that believes that that's not the way to go and um and that isn't mad whenever i can sit on a meeting and say i've turned down four agents all. in the past month and so they want you to a, turn them down that's right that's a really good feeling because yeah. it's it's um it can really shape the environment and that's an environment that if you nurture right thrives and everybody succeeds yeah well, Christy, thank you yeah. so much for being a part of the core truth. Um, yeah, you're welcome. I, I really appreciate it, you, and I appreciate yeah. what you're doing down in Newport Beach. So thank, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and, and just everything about you. I'm happy to. Thank you for your time, Peter. You bet. So this was another core truth. This is Peter Hernandez, and we are signing out.